Desmond, did you even remember we have a conservative party in Canada? Because I forgot for a minute. I know Justin Trudeau is taking up a lot of the conversation right now, but yes, we still do have an official opposition, and their leader right now is an interim leader, and it's Rona Ambrose. But the conservatives are looking for somebody new, and the question is, who's it going to be, and how, if at all, are they going to change the direction of the party? We've got a couple of guests on the show today, one of whom is a repeat guest of the show. Jim Burnett helped to run the leadership campaign of Patrick Brown, who's now the Conservative Party leader in Ontario. He also ran the federal campaign for Ted Opitz. So after 10 years of Stephen Harper, Jim's here to help us reframe and understand what's next for the Conservative Party of Canada. We also reached out to a young man who, in his time in Canada, has only known Stephen Harper as Prime Minister. We're going to ask him about the future of the Conservative Party as well. Let's get into it. I'm Desmond Cole. And I'm Andre Demise. And this is Canada Land Comments. This episode of Canada Land Commons is sponsored by Giftagram. Andre, tell our listeners about this app. The app is a super easy way to send gifts to people. If you're somebody like me who's terrible at gift giving, this will make your whole life easier because it takes just three clicks. You simply download the app, you choose the gifts, and then you click on the person in your contact list you want to send the gift to. Now, the great thing about Giftagram is that it personally curates your gifts for you. You don't have to go to the store or the mall. You don't have to deal with the parking lot. You don't have to deal with the crowds, the lines, none of that stuff. Valentine's Day is coming up, so you might want something special from Giftagram's gourmet section. In the gourmet section, you'll find really cool stuff like the Spruce Foodie Box, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a box that's got drinking chocolate, maple sugar pops. It's got some jams. There's also tea gift sets, but check this one out. There is the Carnivore Club Meat Crate, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is a crate, and it's full of artisan cured meats. Thank you very much. I will take one of those. And Giftogram is going to give you a $20 credit if you're signing up for the first time. That's a free $20 gift. So download the app, choose the gift you want, and don't forget to use the code CANADALAND. Your gift will arrive in just three to five business days. And once again, use that code CANADALAND for $20 towards your gift. Well, you know, here we are 10 years after uh, being in government, and I think that uh, the consensus is they got really lazy when it came to organization for the party. There needs to be a kind of a reorg of how things were done. I think one of the big problems was communication. There were a lot of good things about Stephen Harper, from, in my opinion, how he handled the economy, how he handled the country on a world scale. But how he communicated, I think that's less to be desired. You have a uh, press conference in the middle of an election, you say, well, we're only taking three questions. I mean, you say, I'm only have three questions, you know, they're going to be the three toughest questions, right? Instead of giving a, a time period. I, I was at one where Stephen Harper was making a, an announcement regarding a, a fund for victims. And it was a great announcement, but the media wanted to talk about Mike Duffy because they were only given three questions. So maybe the fourth, the fifth question would have been about victims, but it wasn't. So there were frustrating times at the uh, at the campaign, and I, and I think that a lot of it came from Stephen Harper and from his team when it came to uh, communications. It was very negative. They ran a negative campaign against Dion, and they were successful at that. They ran a, ne- a negative campaign against Ignatiev. They were successful at that. But a lot of leadership and a lot of way these elections are, are decided are on likability. I'd argue that Dion was not likable. 
Michael Ignatieff was definitely not likable. <laughs> and Stephen Harper was the least likable of all the leaders this time around, at least when it came uh, between him and, and Justin Trudeau. That's where things stand now. We've, we've got the, uh, the cool kid. Uh, everybody says that Justin Trudeau's the hip guy. I, I, I'm sure they'll have a party the next four years. And then uh, after that, somebody will say, well, maybe the nerds should take over and uh, clean up what the cool kid uh, <laughs> did in the last four years. Okay, so so I, I see that happen. Okay, so be real with me here, all right? Did you actually like Stephen Harper? Personally? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like Stephen Harper because I had met him well before he was prime minister and we had a discussion about, you know, uniting the right reform party or, or Canadian alliance with the conservative party. And my prediction was it would eventually happen. This was at a conference we were at and uh, I didn't know I was talking to a future prime minister at the time. So I see Stephen Harper years later when he's running for prime minister and uh, I was introduced to him and I said, Stephen, uh, we met before, I mentioned it, and he says to me, you know, you were right. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you predicted that the conservative parties would unite. I was amazed that he remembered me. That was, uh, I don't know, I was touched by that moment. You mentioned that the campaign went really negative once again. And it's true, you know, this has worked for the Conservatives in previous campaigns. I still maintain they got a third of the vote, 33% to about 39 for the Liberals. It just wasn't quite enough this time. But what do you think of the issues that the Conservative Party chose very much to focus on? Wedge issues around women being able to wear the niqab at a citizenship ceremony, around a hotline to stop what they called barbaric cultural practices. They focused a lot of energy on this stuff. Why do you think that that was the strategy this time around? To tell you the truth, I don't understand those particular uh, strategies. I think a, a lot of the media welcomed it because they thought it was a great wedge issue that they could talk about. And it took other issues that may have been going on in the campaign uh, that were actually relevant. You know, this, this is one where I think everybody agrees that no government should tell its citizens what they should wear. This was a very small issue. It had to do with the uh, uh, swearing in at, uh, um, at citizenship ceremonies. It's a very, very small issue in, in the day-to-day uh, lives of Canadians and new Canadians. I thought that was a mistake. With regards to the hotline, they actually they had Liberal Party agreement that um, they would ban practices such as forced marriages, general mutilation, and they came out with this hotline that would be – it was more than a hotline. It was actually um, a plan to uh, put in – uh, Hang on, are you, are you trying to say that that was a Liberal Party policy? Liberal, no, the, the Liberals did support that. Uh, no, the, I know that yeah. they supported the Zero Tolerance for Barbaric Cultural Practices Act. I do realize that, yeah. that the Liberals are on board with that. I guess what I'm asking, though, is you just brought the Liberals, but as far as I understand, that was a conservative policy. Well, yeah, it was, but it was supported by the Liberals. It was, yeah. all, there was almost all party support. I mean, everybody agrees that in our society that there shouldn't be forced marriages or general mutilation. And the hotline was more than a hotline. It was actually to set up task force with police. Like they have, for example, uh, they have that for human smuggling, right? And everybody supports that. It, you know, the way it was, there's no question about it. The way it was marketed, mm -hmm. the way that it was communicated was poor. And I think the uh, that was one of the lessons learned that 
going forward, our main campaign uh, shouldn't be talking about these issues so much. But I think the media actually, and I think the opposition, wanted to talk about these issues. I remember the, the kneecap issue, for example, you know, going around Etobicoke Centre, and I talked to, to media, they wanted to talk about it because there were a lot of media who want to talk about this issue, and there are a lot of opposition that want to talk about this issue. And, and then I think some of the, the decision makers in the Conservative Party wanted to talk about this issue because they all thought it was to their benefit. I don't think it was, and I think it hurt so, all of us. So, so all that aside, what does it mean right now to be a Conservative in Canada? Well, you know, fiscal responsibility is one. Uh, and yeah, but everybody, everyone talks about fiscal responsibility, though. Like, well, do they? Every, I mean, well, yeah, the NDP talked about fiscal responsibility. The Liberals talked about fiscal responsibility, even though they thought the responsible thing to do would be to have a minor deficit for the time being. Everyone is, quote unquote, fiscally responsible according to their own measures and values. So what does it mean for you as a conservative? Well, we'll see how fiscally responsible the liberals are the next four <laughs> years, because I don't think they will be. Yeah. I, I, You know, when you, when you campaign that you will run a deficit. They're not talking about a little deficit. Uh, you know, if the conservatives were elected, there's no doubt in my mind uh, right now that we'd be in a deficit situation with oil the way it is, the dollar the way it is. Um, conservatives couldn't stop this, liberals couldn't stop this. But the liberals are going to go intentionally uh, in deficit, and I think it's going to really, really be a problem when there's going to be a pressure on the government as we head to a 59-cent dollar to raise interest rates, we're going to be in a situation where we balloon this thing so uh, the deficit that we're going to be p paying interest payments that are going to be higher than any other uh, social program uh, like we did in, back in, I think it was 1989. 1989, uh, the problems we were facing back then was the deficit was so big uh, we were financing the deficit more than any other social program. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hate to cut you off, but you just described what it is that the liberals are going to do or fail to do. So yeah. again, what does it mean to be a conservative? What sort of values and policies going forward should we be looking for? Well, there's going to be, you know, a conversation about that with the leadership race. I don't want to preempt it, but one of the main conversations will be, where are, where are the values, where are the principles of this party going forward? Okay, so Jim, a lot of the people who are being rumored right now to want to replace Rona Ambrose are folks who were really close to Stephen Harper. I'm talking about Kelly Leach, Maxime Bernier, uh, talking about Tony Clement, all rumored to want to be running. Do you think it's a good idea to pick someone as a new leader who was really close to the leader who was just defeated? Well, let's just talk about really close. Stephen Harper's not really close to it's anybody. anybody. Okay. Like, 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 let's get this clear. Stephen Harper, like I said, it, he's very warm in some ways and other ways he's not. Uh, I wouldn't call uh, any of those people that you've listed as close to Stephen Harper. Perhaps Jason Kenney um, as a leadership candidate would probably be the closest and it probably has to do a lot with they're both from Alberta. Maxime Bernier, definitely not. Wasn't he the same dude that like left some confidential files over at his girlfriend's place or something? Yes. I remember that uh, a little while back? Yeah, yeah. Tony Clement being like the most anti-punk rock, punk rocker of all time. Tony Clement, I actually talked to him today and he told me he's in the exploratory stage. He's considering a leadership run. So, uh, you heard well, it here on Candleland Commons, yeah, there you folks. Go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do know that uh, Kelly Leach uh, is definitely very well organized. You look at her resume, she's an orthopedic surgeon for children. She has an MBA, 
and uh, has been involved with the party for quite a while. Uh, she's a very good organizer. She actually teaches at the University of Western Ontario for medicine. So she's somebody who uh, I think has a great potential uh, to she's be She's like Art Ben Carson, minus the weird philosophical and religious <laughs> beliefs, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think she's a great candidate. Jason Kenney, you know, he's done great organization across the country. Once upon a time, he was head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. But when he was with Stephen Harper as a cabinet minister, he was also in charge of organizing uh, ethnic and multicultural communities. And uh, he's very popular amongst those communities, and that would help him in a leadership race. Other candidates, uh, Maxine, you know, they, uh, obviously he's got the Quebec angle, and uh, he is very He's very You're popular. struggling to think of a positive here. I'm no, 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 it. no. Okay. Maxine is very popular, especially amongst the libertarian wing of the party. Right. He is clearly from that side yeah. of the party. And then we've got Kevin O'Leary. I was just going to say we're tap dancing around the elephant in the room. Yeah. So what do you make of Kevin O'Leary? So one thing I was very critical about Stephen Harper is that I think he was very poor communication-wise. And we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary gets that. He understands communications. He's a social media guy. He never met a camera he didn't like. I think that he has a, a lot of potential on that side. He has a lot of work to do. He's, he, if he seriously wants to consider, he has to um, get in touch with a lot of people across the country and get an organization up and running. And remember this. This convention, I was listening on radio on the way here, and, and some people have it wrong. The convention is one member, one vote. That uh, means that in every single riding across Canada, if you're a member of the Conservative Party of Canada, you have a right to vote. And it's every riding is weighed, right? So weighted. So every riding has 100 points. Mm-hmm. I think usually that's what they go with, 100 points. So just because an Alberta seat has, I don't know, let's say 5,000 members, it's the same as a Trini Spadina or Trinity, or I don't know what they call the ridings here because they're changing the names. Um, University just, Fort York. Yeah, University yeah. Fort York. Maybe they have 100 members. Yeah. Right? Their 100 members is equal Sorry, to... Sorry, University Rosedale and Spadina Fort York. Right, right. Their, their, their membership is equal to a very strong riding. So you've got to be able to go out and win every riding and be able to present a vision. Maybe Kevin Leary can do that. I'm not sure. You know, the thing with Kevin Leary, and I, I've heard one of his colleagues say this, that a lot of what he does and says on television is, a, is an act. You know, we've seen him on Shark Tank and, you know, he says, you know, you're, you're dead to me, right? Well, let's see who the real Kevin O'Leary is, at least the political version of Kevin O'Leary before I write him off. Um, he might be very interesting. He might actually have new things to say. And one of the good things is that he's not really tied to anyone uh, or he's not really tied to the party uh, establishment, He's completely from left field. He may have something very interesting to say, and I'm willing to uh, sit back and find out exactly what he's going to say. I'm going to assume Kevin O'Leary would say he's from right field. But moving on, Justin Trudeau was a young, very good-looking guy who kind of was off the cuff and uh, relatable to a lot of people. Maybe didn't sound like your average and look like your average politician. And we're seeing this a lot in North American and Western politics. Hillary Clinton coming after Barack Obama, two people who I think 
30 or 40 years ago, a lot would never have imagined could be the leader of a country. We've seen a lot of women premiers in Canada recently. Uh, we talk a lot about representation of people of color, of immigrants. Is it important at all for the Conservatives to think about that when choosing a new leader? Well, yeah, and I, I do believe, like I said, uh, Kelly Leach, uh, she is a very strong candidate. Tony Clement, he's first generation Canadian. I don't know if that's the be all of end all, whether or not uh, somebody should be a pe- person of color or somebody should be a woman. It should be somebody who, who actually articulates uh, a vision for not only the Conservative Party of Canada, but a vision for the country. Justin, he was always groomed for this job. Uh, when he was first elected, there was always speculation that he would be a future prime minister. He was doing the speaking uh, circuit, and a lot of people were introducing him as a future prime minister. So it doesn't surprise a lot of people that Justin is now the prime minister of Canada. And I think a lot of people underestimated him. They underestimated him when he did the boxing match, I think, uh, against Senator Brazo. Brazo. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of people thought Senator Brazo was their... Well, because he was senator diesel anymore, as hell, guess, right? right? Yeah. Well, no, he's, well, Patrick, he's still a senator. Yeah, well, Patrick Brazo, you know, the big guy and kind of looks like a street fighter. Thought, oh, this this was going to be an easy matchup, and I think Sun TV covered it. And I remember as an event calling Justin the Shining Pony, and <laughs> and it, it was all a spectacle to see Justin get beat up, and Justin. And won. that's not what happened. D- no. Justin faded his ass. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite embarrassing. And um, can I just ask something? Because I, 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 I know, <laughs> look, everyone's thinking this, so I'm just going to ask please, it. Please do. Why the heck does it matter that Justin Trudeau beat Senator Patrick Brazo in a boxing match? Do you want me to tell you why? No, no, I want our guest to tell us. Okay. I'm being real here because I'm not saying that there isn't a real answer here. But why did that make him so attractive as a political figure? Well, I don't think it was the event itself. But I remember saying to somebody, this guy can't be underestimated, right? He was underestimated going into that match. Everyone thought he'd make a jerk of himself and he'd get knocked out. Well, that didn't happen. And, of course, he ended up beating Prime Minister Harper. So I, think, I, think, of, I think they underestimated him. There was an him. allegory here, yeah. yeah. They underestimated him going into this election. They made it about his hair, and actually that helped. That helped him. He actually got elected because of his hair and hope. Right? Hope and hair. Hope Hope and hair. hair. Hope and hair. Yeah. So the conservative message was uh, he's just not ready. Well, the problem was with the length of that campaign, I think people believed it at the beginning of the campaign, and they said, well, he's ready now. Mm -hmm. I think that was a part of the momentum. I think in one of the ads they said, he may be ready in the future, but he's not ready now. And that was a huge mistake given the length of that campaign. I think by the end people said, I think he's ready. (laughs) You know, even in the general public, there are a lot of people out there who identify themselves as conservative voters and liberal voters, and that will never, ever change, right? So you're always fighting over a small percentage of people every election. The difference between the conservative and liberals in this election, I think, was 39% to 30 to 32%, something like that. It was almost 33. Yeah. Rewind it back to the previous election. It was the opposite, Right. 7% of the population in Canada decide who wins. 7% of the voting population. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The voting population. Yeah. So there are factors that are not policy related that can change that vote. Likeability is one, right? We always say that person has a royal jelly. 
Donald Trump has it, you know, like it or not, he has it. Um, he has a likability. Kevin Leary probably has that. There's, there's it, Justin Trudeau. He definitely has it. Uh, I don't think Stephen Harper had it. Stephen Harper won despite not having that likability. I think people elected Stephen Harper because he was seen as a smart guy. He was seen as the guy who was the policy wonk, who was the economist. His popularity would go up really silly things. When they released the tape of him singing, you know, Imagine by John Lennon, people say, oh, that's, a, that's something I've never seen in Stephen Harper. I really like that. Well, great. But what does it have to do in the country? I'm not, I, I'm I thought quite that sure. was so lame. But <laughs> you, you, you may, you know what? <laughs> You've brought us people back. People liked it. Yeah. People do like yeah, that. And you brought it. us people back to, to something yeah. here, which is the, the Trudeau and Brazo boxing match. Yeah. I think that Stephen Harper singing Beatles songs really worked for him because people never expected that from him. And they thought, hey, maybe there's something about this guy that I didn't know that is interesting or important. Just like... Hey, Justin Trudeau won a boxing match? Like, maybe yeah, there's more yeah. to this guy than I thought. Yeah. Now, Stephen Harper would always surprise people with especially his uh, his musical numbers. And uh, it would always be reposted on YouTube and people would watch it. And you hear the social commentary was, wow, isn't this great? Look at this. Stephen Harper, our leader. And they'd love it. But they wouldn't be talking about, you know, instead some... I don't know, uh, some tax cut that he brought in for for kids for their hockey or whatever, right? It, I mean, that didn't get as much play as he did, you know, with the Beatles songs. That could be some instruction for the potential next leader of the Conservative Party is that you can sing your way into the Canadian public's heart. Well, maybe. Well, look, at remember, I mean, we all, rem- we all remember Bill Clinton on the saxophone. On the Arsenio, on the Arsenio Hall, Hall show. Hall show. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. Well, everyone right? that's over the age of 30, maybe. Right, yeah. right. Well, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 25. And I'm just <laughs> but uh, no, I, re- I, re- I remember that day and it really resonated. And, it, and I would argue that it helped Clinton become... Bill Clinton. All right. So the answer is just to become the next conservative Bill Clinton. All right. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's be interesting, right? And there will be a boring policy conversation and there will be a debate about whether the party should go this way, whether it should go that way. But there's an X factor in, in leaders. And uh, I don't know what that X factor is. Nobody really knows. Uh, but somebody could say that person's likable or that person's not likable. Last time I was at City Hall, and this is, this is the truth. Rob Ford, he had a huge following, and I remember outside City Hall seeing people line up for bobbleheads out the door, and these people thought he was a rock star. I saw the same reaction with Justin Trudeau, and some of them, believe it or not, were the same people. There you have it. Jim Burnett, conservative friend of the show, thank you so much for coming thank in you. again today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jim. So to get a perspective on the young and grassroots sentiment in the Conservative Party right now, we reached out to Nick Boots. Nick is the president of the University of Calgary Conservatives, and we reached him on his cell phone. I I came from Ukraine uh, in 2005. And so, you know, coming to a country where, you know, personal freedoms and, uh, you know, ability to reach, uh, you know, personal goals is so attainable. And, um, you know, what I saw was conservatives were the ones responsible for the quality of life that I was able to enjoy here as my family. So I just called up the party main number and they put me in contact with people here in Cal- Calgary and I started getting more and more involved and uh, never looked back. 
So if you arrived in 2005, that means that for the entire time that you've been in Canada, we've only had Stephen Harper as prime minister until the last election. So you kind of grew up kind of knowing one prime minister who was a conservative. I did, yes. So what was it like then for you to witness, and I imagine you also probably took part in this last election campaign, and to see the shift that happened in the country? Well, you know, it was very, um, you know, it was very stressful. And just the way that this election went was, um, it didn't really represent, I think, where Canada stands for in, in the way of their relationship with Mr. Harper. It was really painful to see that, you know, the messages that the party was trying to uh, convey to the public weren't getting through. And, you know, there was a lot of um, pushback from the media on a lot of stories that, you know, conservatives tried to kind of bring to the light. And it was just so, um, so frustrating to see a lot of people just not hearing really what, what the party was doing and just kind of seeing only hearing the other side. So it was, can you um, give us, can you give us an example of that? Well, yeah, and, and, you know, just the coverage. I mean, I, I know as a, you know, as a university conservative president, the initiative that our party was taking, and I could never find it in the news whatsoever, you know. Um, for example, the refugees, you know, most of the refugees that came into Canada up to this day were actually processed by the conservatives. The background checks, the whole process was ignited by the Conservative Party. And, and yet the only thing that you could hear during the election time was the pledge that, you know, liberals were to bring 25,000 people in, which they didn't. But that, that besides the point, the thing is, the, the media didn't allow the party, I think, to, um, to get a message out. And that was frustrating to see, especially with the outcome of the election. Now, at the same time, uh, Stephen Harper tried, I think, very much to control how much he talked to the media. Uh, he was very specific about only wanting to take a few questions after every day's press conference or after every day's event. Do you think he kind of harmed himself by trying to control his own message too much? Well, you know, I, I think that's kind of like, a, it could be kind of debated if, um, if this was enough or not. I think it was. I mean, we, we had a lot of debates and they, they put the Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, at the time at, you know, at the you know, spotlight. So everybody could know what he was talking about. And I mean, it was really easy to see what the platform of the party was. So I think, um, you know, more interviews weren't really necessary as, you know, the, the, the crucial information was really conveyed at the debates. But um, I mean, looking forward, you know, it, everybody does it differently. Should the party look for maybe a different approach to the media? Possibly. But I don't think that was the main thing. What do you think is still the core of being a member of the Conservative Party today? Mm -hmm. I always look at conservatives from two ways. You know, there's fiscal conservatism and there's social conservatism. Um, I think at the core, every conservative should uphold the values of, you know, free markets and low taxes uh, you know, employment and um, government accountability. I think these these fiscal conservative values have to be the core. I imagine that being a member of a university conservative campus group, you know, you're right at uh, the grassroots level of political organizing. Yes. Do you think that folks like yourselves are having the right amount of influence in your party? Well, you know, and I have to say, I have to really give a shout out to our party. I mean, the amount of involvement that 
the students are given with the conservative party is incredible. In the future, I do think that, you know, youth can can have a bigger role in the government, uh, just as we saw with a lot of new MPs, uh, you know, liberals and NDPs, you know, we saw a lot of fresh faces and this seems like um, that is something that Canadians want. So, yeah, I'm re- really looking into the Aztec for the, the, for the conservative youth of today, uh, for the future. Mm-hmm. And finally, Nick, you're studying, what are you studying right now, by the way? Uh, UFC. So I'm, I'm just finishing my finance degree here at Huskane School of Business. School of Business. Excellent. Yes. Do you think that there's anything particular that the government can do to support people like yourself who are in the middle of getting their education? Yes. Yes, I, I do. And, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from the different way that maybe um, some of the other students might. I don't, I don't think government should be giving us more funding. I think that's, that's a to- fundamentally wrong way to look at it. What we need to see is the government providing opportunities for us to actually thrive once we graduate or when we're looking for part-time jobs when we're in university. So, you know, right now, um, with the, you know, the, the, the oil situation in our country, the, the opposition to pipelines, that harms people like me who graduating and looking for work. And so that's where I see government being the most responsible is for giving us the opportunities to just work and be, you know, happy, um, you know, achieving uh, members of society. And, and I, I, you know, kind of laser fair, I think that government should kind of allow us to be what we want to be rather than kind of throwing money at the issue and hoping that it will solve anything. That's our show for this week. If you'd like to continue the conversation on social media, just jump on Twitter, jump on Facebook, search for Canada Land Commons. It'll be the first result you find. Thank you very much, as always, this week to our producer, Kevin Sexton. And shout out to our music producer, Nathan Burley. We are online at canadalandshow.com. While you're on the website, be sure to check out the newsletter, Not Sorry. You can email us, desmond at canadalandshow.com. And andre at canadalandshow.com. And if you have some feedback, if you'd like to record a voice memo and send it in, if you want to tell us how much of a jerk we are, Record the voice memo. Send that to Kevin at CanadaLandShow.com. How much of a jerk you are. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And since you love the program so much, support us. That's Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. The next episode of CanadaLand Shortcuts is back on Thursday. And CanadaLand Commons is back next week, Tuesday. All right, we out. I didn't get to say Prime Minister Selfie. I wanted to say that somewhere <laughs> in there. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. 
Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 